Hello, welcome back to Sovereign Podcast. I'm Casey and I just got two usuals in studio for the final time for the Six Nations wrap up. Boys, how are we? Doing well, doing well. It's um, end of an era. <laughs> two Six Nations is over. Triple Crown winners. Much to Harvey's delight. <laughs> yep, yeah, no, I'm doing well as well. Sun's shining. We're starting to see a bit of good weather mm-hmm. in, in the UK, which I'm loving. Um, embrace it and clocks go back this weekend which would be even nicer get a bit of sunlight 25 to 8 sunset i'm really looking forward to it but anyway we're here to chat a bit of ruggers so best crack yeah on. no it's classic rugby season ends as the sun comes out it's just classic rugger reunion but uh mm-hmm. nah six nations is over uh you know we're chatting off mike there zach before you came on we were saying it's well an anti-climax of six nations but nothing really unexpected happened until Italy pulled the rabbit out of the hat. So we will start there. And I, I felt we needed that. I think we all knew Ireland were strong this year. France were probably going to win the slam. No one thought Italy were going to win at the millennium. And I know why they did. Because this is a special tournament. And special things happen in special tournaments. And we had to wait until the last weekend for something jaw-dropping to happen. Because Scotland being England now is common theme. So it's not jaw-dropping anymore. But... Italy at the Millennium. We were chatting about Millennium. How, like Millennium is Millennium. You don't win a Millennium, and then Italy go and win there. I've, I've no, it's incredible. I've no words. Like I mean, where do you begin with it? I think. I mean, full credit to Italy. They went out, and probably for the first time in what six years, they've actually lasted to eighty minutes in terms of having kind of thrown the towel in. It's the first time they've been in a game. That late in ages. I mean, so basically, the pessimist of me is kind of like, you haven't won the Six Nations, you're not on for, you haven't won the Triple Crown, you know, you're just, you're playing it late in the last game, you haven't even closed the roof. It's just like, you know, we'll just see what happens and just have a good time, ready to get back to play some club rugby and some European rugby. Do you think, would have Italy have beaten Wales? at the start of the Six Nations, or is it that completely unfair? I don't know, it's just a pessimist in me. I mean, I full credit to Italy, don't get me wrong. Well, like, you got to look at that. Scotland had real opportunities to beat Wales in the Millennium, and then we're talking 0-5, like, we're talking wooden spoon for Wales. So yeah. it, it's quite it's quite dark, and a lot of the Welsh media are um, getting a bit worried because... The club game's not great. The national team's not great. The 20s did not go well. Whereas you look at Ireland winning 20 slams and yeah. all the provinces through in Europe, like Irish rugby's on the rise and Welsh rugby's going the opposite direction. And we talk about golden generations and stuff and that golden generation's coming to an end. Bigger, Alan Wynne, Jonathan Davis, Cuthbert, Tipperick, Sam Warburton when he was there, that kind of generation. And... They try and we try and get they're trying to get excited about bashings and stuff, but as harsh as it is, we might need that conversation. Is the talent now coming through Wales good enough? Was Louis Zama just a flash in the pan on Six Nations? Have they or is their whole team just around Josh Adams? Is is that it? Because <laughs> that's the only player I seen on Saturday that stood up. Really? And Josh Adams were playing 12. Um I mean yeah, like it's um it tells your question, Zach. I do think it was on. I think this whole Six Nations Italy beating Wales was on. 
Okay, it was that, just that, happened, that, happened that, in the last week. Point. Like I think when you put Wales in context, like let's not forget as well. Okay, Ireland, one of the best sides in the world at the moment, but to lose the way Wales did as well, like Wales were not good at the Aviva. Um, That's the thing. I was I was just going to mention this, like. Although it was a last-minute try, and I think it's from an entertainment perspective, that was incredible. They deserved to win that game. It wasn't like it was just it was just a nick it yeah. and, yeah, and it's run. It's a good point. Like it, 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 throughout the balance of play, they 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 you know they made Wales respect them, and they made they made good work of the game. And I think I know you mentioned earlier. There's like obviously last game of the Six Nations, and it's a bit of a dead rubber. Do you really care? But for a sense of perspective, most teams who play Italy in recent years haven't had to care and can still walk away with a win. Quite a convincing one at that. And whether that be the last game, the first game, or one of the games in the middle, whenever you play Italy, it's never usually a worry. And we looked at this game before the game and thought, ah, easy win for Wales, move on. Yeah. Didn't really give him much airtime. But does that need to change now? Does you know? Does Is it... This is where I'm just like, I want another Six Nations right now. I want Italy to just go play all the teams again and I want to see it again. I want to see, but like, because is it just going to be one of these things where it happens one every three or four years or is it something we can start expecting? Maybe, maybe not once every tournament, but maybe something that they get really close every tournament and maybe nick one and one every other or something like that. You know, progress. Well, for me, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have been, I would have been surprised, but I wouldn't have been like, this 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 is um this is uncharted territory here if they won it in Rome and beat someone in Rome, but to go away from home and do it, well, I'd love to know the start on that one. It's been a long time since I've gone somewhere to a fortress and they've gone to probably one of the biggest. Yeah. And pulled up pulled the rabbit out of the hat. And I said our like just chipped away at the scoreline. We're in the game the whole time. It wasn't like just runaway tries, intercepts or that's touching on that. Sorry, just to okay. just to mention it. Touching on that, Garbisi, I think, said before the Scotland game that his whole plan, the whole plan for the team was to just try and stay in it. And if they could stay in it, they have that belief. And then who knows? You throw the rabbit out of the hat last five minutes. But the issue is Italy have had very few opportunities over the last few years to even stay in games. And it's usually by 50-60 that they're night and day away from the team. And then you can understand why at that point you get killed because you're 20, 30 points back and it just isn't clawable. But <laughs> Like you said, maybe that that strategy of just building the scoreline, not just trying to constantly go for the corner because they're two tries down, and you know they they conceded two quick tries and then decided, you know what, let's keep our heads. We still pick away. We've built a scoreline already, and we'll just hope on that banker moment. Maybe that's the strategy they they adopt. Who knows? Yeah, and I think as well, like I do remember, um, like there was times in the Six Nations, even in the first game against France, Italy were there and thereabouts for a bit. But it's just always been, they've always just ran out of steam. And that was the really frustrating thing. It's just kind of like in the silly airs that if they were to sort out just the silly airs and just better fitness, essentially, and better mental fitness, um, you could see them getting a scalp. And 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 they have, you know what I mean? Like, um, like obviously, in hindsight, it's like, oh, I feel bad. <laughs> we just literally root off Italy every single time. And I just couldn't even chat about them because it's just, they annoyed me just watching them play. But I mean, Full credit. The only thing is, um, just looking at their summer tour dates, it's kind of like they're going, they're going west, they're going Canada, the states, and Argentina. And so that Argentina game will be huge for them to kind of continue the momentum. Now, um, 
for for Italy. But um, I mean, full credit, full credit to them. That's it's, it's huge to win in the Millennium, no matter who you are, is huge. Mm. The fact that Italy have done it is is incredible. Look and at France the, the week, but well. France the week before. Yeah, the Grand Slam champions really struggled out there. I know it's a different mentality when they always say like the game before the Slam decider is the hardest one because you need to keep the belief alive. But then you start to get excited. Whereas that final game, you know it's win. That's it. Really focused. But I think as a combination, Italy got Wales at the perfect time. But at the same time, Italy played well, and I'm so glad boys were having this conversation because for me, all this chat about Georgia and teams like that. Italy are superior to them, and you've they proved it before uh, when they in all nations cups and all when when they're actually forced to show up, they will and they'll put a solid number on them. So they're just in that weird position where they're we're just stuck between yeah. between kind of the tier twos and the tier ones. But they keep performing as we always say, and it happens. And for me now, as I've kind of got a bit older in sport, I understand it does happen, but it wasn't long ago Scotland were like this, scrapping for wooden spoons, and now they're an established side. If it keeps going like this with young players, I can see the narrative, but I can also see the narrative of this being at one every seven years. So I think this is a huge moment in Italian rugby history. And if they don't act now when the iron's hot, we could see them slip back down again and yeah. they need to get to that stage where they're not celebrating one-off wins. They're trying to build. A bit like Scotland now are getting really annoyed at their... Scotland are now in the media saying Greg are out and they won the Calcutta Cup back in back a few years ago. Calcutta Cup's the only thing they needed, but you've seen that they've, they've kind of... Their uh, predictions and their expectations are different, so... Slow building process, but people like Connor Shea that have been there but even before Crawley need credit. The foundations were put in. They've invested in their youth. And I'm delighted, boys. I'm delighted. Italia. Um, we'll definitely have a special Italia podcast with uh, Italiana. So, uh, An Italian. <laughs> we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll do that. But... Zach. Italiana, it's not Italian, I don't know. But like, I think I, one, 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 I just want to say one final thing. Like, Italy need to make it less than every six years they win a game. Next, every year they have to get a scalp somewhere just to kind of build a bit of momentum. This is like a 10 year project. The domestic game is getting stronger, there's no doubt about it. And as for Wales, I know all credit to Italy, but when you look at Wales, getting beat by Italy is sackable. So, Jonathan Davis said in the on the BBC, and then also just like you're right, that talent production line. We're now beginning to see how weak the domestic game is in Wales. You can't rely on three. Italy are honestly competing with them in terms of the domestic game. You, you could you could argue that well, honestly, put Bennett up against any of those, not Zebra yet, but put Bennett up against any of the four Welsh regions. I mean, it's fair, it's fair game. There's serious issues, but it's always been there, but it's just now. The cracks are beginning to show as your older talisman players just get older. You can't rely and like you can't you can't rely on just sending your best players to the English Premiership. You you, you can't rely on that. Um, and it is it is worrying. I wouldn't say oh it's just one off and we deal at Lee. You know fair play to them just play really well. I'm like no, this is a serious issue. You're, well, you're going from Italy, you're going from the other perspective that Wales are at low key in crisis as well. I, after, I would, a year I would after winning. Winning but, the six, but 
they didn't look, they weren't overly impressive the year they won it, and it was COVID behind closed doors, and it was a special tournament, which I'm sure Billy weird Burton things happened. Corner, it's a game changer, like, you know, <laughs> Romani, Billy red cards, weird referring decisions against England. Yeah, like, Roman, nickname insert here, Poit, giving off quick taps and stuff. Yeah. So sorry, I'm I still yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> that's those were dark days for everyone. Let's just move on. Um, but I wouldn't say crisis, but seriously, the next World Cup could be really, really telling and really scary. So uh, they've they've got favorable grip wheels, so there's no need for panic stations. They've got Australia and Fiji should be getting through that. But at the same time, if it continues, you could Fiji will be licking their lips at that group. Dream, <laughs> <laughs> it's dream. How great would that be? How great would that be? Never know. Hopefully, Italy can press on, put on a good showing. But Italy, like, there's an opportunity for them to build momentum. You're going to play Canada. You're going to play the States. Those are like Italy. You should, you should be winning those games, and then it sets up Argentina, and just you know, you never know. Um, so it's it's exciting times. Looking forward to the summer for Italy. And then on to triple crown winners. We said Zach, we want the triple triple crown, and it was interesting to me. Not the triple crime, but how much that that Ireland team wanted that bonus point, which didn't really mean anything. And then kind of knew it's not going to mean anything, but they were that determined to beat everyone else by a bonus point. I think for that, that's some achievement to beat every other team by a bonus point win and then only lose to in Paris scoring three tries and losing by a bonus point. Like they, they've proven that Ireland scored points to the Six Nations and Definitely, we said about Gibson Park, James Lowe, those type of characters need to do it on this stage, not just versus their country, their birth stage, where they have something to prove. They have something to prove every week. And they've they stepped up. A lot of players stepped up. And Bill Ireland now have a really good competitive squad with players that would be annoyed. Like Sir Robert Balakun, not to get any minutes. It's going to be it's going to be raging. And I'll tell you what, we see him absolutely flying for Ulster, so... No, it's interesting in terms of can they keep building? I know you have are uh, kind of a fan of that back row as well. It's kind of now established itself. I'm a, a fan of, of the whole. I'm a fan a of the whole Irish team. Saying, yeah, like Josh Van de Flair yeah. was the player of the Six Nations. I know they're not, they probably won't give it to him. They're definitely going to give it to your Anton Dupont and stuff. But there's a lot of chat. Josh Van de Flair was that best, the best player in the Six Nations. I think, yeah, I think touching on that, just looking at the stats here, you you mentioned it already, four bonus points. You have nearly 40, 40 points better score difference than France, who won the slam. Um, you were clinical, and we've been saying it from the start, the, the ferocity of that Irish attack was only really matched by France. There wasn't another nation in the Six Nations that even got close to matching that. And, you know, when you got the brilliance and the creativity of Scotland's attack in there as well, they weren't even close, like... That Irish side this year was, like I said, it was fierce. It was it was to be feared. It was a very, very, very good side. And I think you've got a good mix in there of experienced players. There's a little bit of rotation going on. I think in possession is when you look best. I think defensively, you're still amazing as well. But maybe that's where just the little chinks in the armour could get improved, maybe slightly out wide and in some of the, the, some of the positions. But particularly, you know, scrummaging set pieces, that sort of thing defensively. But other than that, I think that Irish side is nearly there, which is probably where you want to be. You know, you're not, like you mentioned before, and I think we're very touchy on the fact that we don't want to say Ireland have peaked yet because 
you know, the scars from the previous World Cup and peaking too early a year before. But I don't think you're as good as that Schmidt side was. And I think that's a good thing. I think you've got those, you're at a seven and a half, eight out of 10 at the moment, but you can clearly see there's only one or two steps to get you to that nine. I don't think anyone's a 10. I don't think anyone ever will be, but you're very close to it. And you're, you know, I don't want to overhype you too much, but you're, you're certainly on World Cup winning form if this continues to progress and you just work out those few things, a little bit more fresh rotation over the next set of international periods that we have. And then who knows, who knows for the silent side. Well, it's, yeah, you, you're right. Like they're, they're definitely on the upward trajectory. There's no sense of peaking. My thing is just now, like, I think just look, if France was at the Aviva, if the fixtures were all reversed, you could argue Ireland win the slam this year or at least the six nations, you know, I mean, full credit to France. Uh, but Ireland are showing, you're right, tell the fact they're going for the bonus point, even when they don't even need it, all they have to do is win. They've already won. Um, shows desire, it shows intense. Just can, you, can you keep that intensity up? And this summer will be huge. Um, this is the last um, Southern Hemisphere tour before the World Cup. So it is absolutely huge. Like To win, to win down in New Zealand, to win a test, and I think this side could win the series down there, but I don't know how hard Farrell's going to go at winning a series because he's going to have to see new players. But if you could win a test down in New Zealand, that is a huge statement then because then you've done everything. Do you know what yeah. I mean? You've, you've, you've won tests in South Africa, Australia and New Zealand and you've you've beaten everyone up, up in the north. So there's there's no one that should scare you. The only you thing that then would... the next step for Ireland, like in terms of this upward trajectory, in order to keep it going up, do you think they just have to win one test or do they have to win the series? No, nah, they got one test. I said before the Six Nations, they need a massive away win. And kind of that Yule's red card and the way England have been the Six Nations, it kind of didn't work out that a bonus point win in Twickenham was your big win. It would have been, but the competitiveness of the game made it not. So I still, and they, and they lost in Paris, so I still want to see that statement win away from home. And that's going to happen down in New Zealand, I hope. And then if it does happen, then you can start you can start experimenting down there as well. Like if you could see like we Mikey and a Humi and Balakun and these type of characters were getting a run out down in New Zealand. Like that's the, the effect of the squad is great to see. So I do feel it's in a good place. And we laugh. We had a they're good to be able to triple crime, but they had a bit of a celebration. They had the triple crime. You've seen them singing Sweet Low, Sweet Jarrett in the change room. They had that night out. They had a bit of squad morale, a bit of silverware, getting used to winning things. And a lot of people, that's their first, that's their first um, feel of that. So positive, real positive Six Nations for Ireland. And again, probably the perfect Six Nations that we don't feel that we can beat everyone because... There's still competition for places and there's definitely still room for improvement, which is exactly what you need. And in my opinion, France are and South Africa are the only two people I'd be scared of at the minute in terms of beating. I genuinely I genuinely think that. Yeah, I think I think it's spot on. Um yeah, I think it's just really encouraging. It's really encouraging to see year on year now, just progression. Um Andy Farrell is and all credit to him, has definitely got a game plan. He's definitely um, in, implementing it well, and he has the players to do it. And not only that, he has horses for courses. You know, he has the right players for the right games. So it's it's exciting. Like, honestly, it's exciting times to be a, to be an Ireland fan. Like, there's no doubt about it. There, um, in terms of Scotland, though, um, pretty ominous. 
I don't know where you go from here. I don't know. I just don't know. It's the yeah. same attitude issues, isn't it, creeping in, which I think ruined the chances in that game. And it's the same. It's the stuff that we've been chatting about endlessly and we'll continue to chat about until it's fixed, really, from Scotland's perspective. You think they have issues, like, in terms of... It's a of culture. It's a culture. Small, it's uh, believe the reports. Stuff. It, is, it is the culture, what, the boys going out or something. Although it wasn't technically... Yeah. It wasn't against the rules or something. Rob Baxter came out today and said, "Defending is Exeter player shirt hog." It it wasn't out against the rules, but if it's not in the squad's general consensus and it's not an agreed opinion between you and your coaches, you shouldn't be doing it. Like that's just the way it is. Because otherwise, why would they sanction these boys? Is it worrying that basically, like when you read the names that went out, like that's basically the Scottish leadership group, and that, that and that's the issue, then, isn't it? Because it's like you can't just chuck them out because we've seen what happens when you chuck them out. You get battered against Ireland, like it's like, and that will continue to happen. It, but it's something that we've always said with Scotland. I'm glad I don't have to make the decision, but you kind of just take it as it comes. You take the good with the bad. I think I think they're so good, you have no choice. You have to play them. So. Yeah, you take it as is. You try and manage it as best you can. But what can you do? Like genuinely, um, what, it's a management have, nightmare. It's a management nightmare. with like what do you do? Like what? Like where does Scotland go from here? This was their Six Nations to make a point, and they just have same again. Zach, we're having this chat every year of Scotland. Like they'll give you that. They're they're that classic on your day team, which is the the phrase I hate the most is they can beat you on your day because everyone can beat everyone on your day. If you're 10 out of 10 and you're professional rugby players, you could get to a level where you're on tries and getting points and put yourself in a conversation. So I'm not having that hole as well. Scotland could beat anyone on their day. Ireland, if they're not at the races in their World Cup group, Scotland will beat them. Yeah, they will. That's how rugby works. If you're not if you don't play well and every team plays well, they win. But Scotland shouldn't be an on your day team. Scotland should be serious competitors, and they need they haven't got to round three, four, five seriously competing. And they're at that stage now. That we talk about your gold generations, Hoagie, Russell, they're not getting younger. They're starting to hit head towards 30 now. So a golden generation the one of in reality hasn't done much. So it's won a few Calcutta Cups. They've, they've, <laughs> they've done, dominated they've, Calcutta Cups, but well, they've done they've it. done what? They've done what you mentioned, Telf, in the sense that they're now a respected side. And this is why we're moaning about this now is because we want them to be competitive four or five games in. And we want another person that can stick their hand up and actually compete for a Six Nations rather than just be the let's go beat England or Ireland or Wales and call it a day and go on the piss for the rest of the Six Nations. That's not what, like, because it does seem like it is a case of you get a big win. All right, we're validated. We're still a good side. Right, we're not as bad as Italy, and then right now we'll just play our game and hope for the best. But there's no real purpose beyond that. It's 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 a belief, it's a culture. It's although we talk about these extremely talented players, how many of them are actually winners? Like I understand Finn Russell's obviously at Racing and Shoot Hogs extra, but like are they winners? Are they serial winners? Are they players who want to be in there and don't just take a big victory as a thank you, let's go? And Zach, here's a question for you. I know you love Exeter, but was that an anomaly season? Again, COVID, behind closed doors, won the Prem, won the European Cup, Saracens got relegated. Is that an Exeter team serial winners? Are they serial winners? Or is Hogg a serial winner? Or was that just a season? I think they were serial winners. 
before even before COVID, you know, like how many more premiership finals did you need to get to? You just get beat by Saracens every single time. Exeter, like if it was without playoffs, Exeter, I can't remember, I don't know off the top of my head how many premierships they would have won, but it would have been, you know, like three or four out of five. That's not winners, Zach. Winners win things against big sides on big nights. What, what I'm saying is kind of like, how do you describe it? I'm trying to think of an example really quickly and nothing comes to my head. Actually, Manchester, or to use a football analogy, right? City, right? City are just so good over the course of a season. So, so good. You know, they will, they their squad depth is incredible and they have so many good players and so many key positions and they'll always win the league. Take Liverpool, kind of not really like, not the best squad compared to City, but on their day, big moment, European night, Liverpool will win and they'll beat City. And it's kind of like it's the same thing with Exeter and, and Exeter, kind of like that. Exeter more like a Manchester City and they just can't seem to, with the playoffs over the years. And then obviously, obviously not Ham Saracens. But anyway, not to have a history lesson about Exeter Chiefs in the past five years. Um, Exeter, the question are, are they winners? That's the question. Is were, Paul Russell, Johnny Gray, are were, these guys they winners? Were, they were winners and central to those teams where Hogg, Gray, but I don't. I think Exeter are past their peak. Um, well, then again, at the same time, they're fourth in the Premiership, and get them in the playoff, and you just never know. No, uh, I think what about I, what about Sherhog as well? His actual performance in the game like that, he it was there was one try in it, fourteen five when Hog went clean through. Hog scores that two point game game on. But surely, and rather than giving it inside, he goes for the line and gets an unbelievable time for Hugh Keenan, but. Too often for, for me, it's Stuart Hogg on big mistakes on big stages. And it's really sad because I love Stuart Hogg. I always am saying he's my Lions 15, he's my Lions 15. But but he's your Lions often, 15 because he makes incredible meters and he makes incredible plays and these little dummies and these runs he makes and the vision he has when he's counter attacking. But how much of it converts to points or how much of it is just, oh, go on, Hoggy. And then it's down at 20 meters couple of faltering phases and a turnover like how much of it is actually output and even, how much of it is just exciting to watch yeah and even like you go back to like even that t- discussion of big mistakes by hog i think the biggest mistake by hog this six nations was dropping the ball against um yeah. that's Prime. another one that, that's if two he, if he goes under the boost, moments we're talking that, about they, they go in at half time like maybe one or two points in it momentum fully with scotland and you're like murrayfield cried up for it that game could have been so different, but instead, I can't remember. I think Fiku or or someone scored in the corner, not the Mike scored in the corner. You know what I mean? Like, what do you? But what do you do? Is he is he undroppable? Are we, well, he's the I think captain. It's, <laughs> he's, he's not, and I think it's probably. And I don't know if I'm just tapping into his personality more than I know, which I obviously don't, but. Maybe it's a belief in the players around him as well. The reason why he runs solo so often, but maybe doesn't look for that pass or look for that little offload is because he doesn't back anyone to be on the sport line. He doesn't, mm. he, maybe he's got himself at such an elevated position because of the experience he's got in the Scotland side and doesn't realize that maybe he just sees it as, right, Duhan's not on the side, Stain's not going to catch up with me. So I'll just play my game. And, you know, but when you actually look at that Scotland side depth wise, they're not actually that good. They've got no clear plan B as a sub 10. If Finn Russell's not at the races, there's no, you know, they're tossing and turning between Blair Kinghorn and Adam Hastings. And Hastings has got a, he's decent off the peg, but realistically, is he up to speed at international level? And Blair Kinghorn, he definitely isn't. 
So there's, you know, there's no plan B in that sense either. So it's like, okay, if the play's not working through Finn or Stewart, we have nothing. We have nothing. Like there's no other option there. There's nothing out there. So, you know, or, or you give it to Big Doohan and try and let him run through four people, which he'll do. That's what I mean. But then what with do you no do? Doohan, with no Doohan, those last few games, you really noticed that with no Doohan, that option of just giving it to Doohan and letting him ramble. Yeah. Him being suspended the last few weeks has been huge for Scotland. You realise how big a player he is and how maybe he is their most important player. Like, yeah. Yeah, you chat about Russ on Hog, but Doohan van der Merwe is massive for that side and he was the one not Hogg and Russell that got free free tests on the bounce side so well you gotta remember um, I, he, I put, like he like in terms of like he's a game line player he'll break the game line for you every single time to then almost like set a foundation for the attack the kind of momentum that you need so yeah you're right like you don't have him there's no momentum there's no game line being broken um, yeah, Scotland, I just don't know what you do with them. I just don't know. Anything. Again, they're in that Wales category. Not crisis, but really back to the drawing board, which you don't want to be doing 18 months out. You want to be building. But we'll get on to a team now that's, that's well, we'll have the conversation now. France peaking too early. Why can we not do that? Why, why are we not like to say it? Can we say it? Or is that not nice? Is that, are we just trying to be solely Irish fans? Because the a reason, lot of people are actually saying that France weren't even that good. Haven't peaked. They haven't the reason yet. why I wouldn't say that France side hasn't peaked too early is because we've seen the likes of Woki, Janti, Villers, Yamane, who barely featured for France, who have come in the side and literally taken it by the scruff of the whatever you want to call it, and been leaders and been pivotal for this France side. You know, and that's alongside your Aldritz, your Dupont, your Antimac, the players that we know, Gail Ficou, who are a sta- staple of this France side and this kind of new generation of players that we're seeing. But there's more talent coming in. Willems are also as well put his hand up seriously as one of the best second rows in the world, this Six Nations. Like there's so many, so many positions and players cropping up out of nowhere who seem to just embed into this culture and this team in France. It's it's a it's crazy, it's scary. Honestly, yeah, and I think as well, like uh, I sound like a broken record, but we're yet to see France chase a game, come from behind, and prove what all kind of top of the, you know, the one percent of the tier one teams do. Um, New or New Zealand did kind of like constantly, um, in that kind of that New Zealand golden generation was. It doesn't matter if you're twenty points up, if you're Australia in the Bledisloe Cup or whatever, you know that New Zealand are going to come back, and a lot of times they just came back and won um so we yet to see france properly chase a game just to see kind of how they handle it um which which would be which would be interesting so that's why i'm still they're still yet to peak i think in, in that sense but, still just but, to count, I mean, counter that sorry karen's like i'm saying man. i was that was it that was, I was gonna <laughs> say just, just to counter that though in rolling off the top of my head you know the france sides across sports as well but just france sport in general and this includes the rugby, when they've been at the top and when they've been one of the best teams in the world and when they've been winning major tournaments, they have an arrogance about them. They have this like this kind of aura around them where they're feared. And they just, you know, this is football, this is rugby, this is anything. And they they just look like a side that you just have to respect. Before the game's even started, they don't demand it in the game. You walk in respecting them. And this side has that same aura to me of like the culture's there, the, you know, 
the France side of the last few years, we've constantly been, uh, we don't know which France side's going to turn up. Is it going to be this one? Is it going to be that one? You know, and it's they've been an unpredictable side who have shown moments of brilliance, but have never really been able to put it over the line. This France side, to me, have been, yes, they've had games where they've not been as impressive as others, but they've got a pattern and they've got a clinicalness and a, a fear factor to them, which I think is reminiscent across France sides of history who have been winners, World Cup winners, you know, the top, 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 top sides in the world. And this side, I can just, I see it. I see it in the blueprint. I don't know if that's just me romanticising it all, but... And that that's the thing, like, France, they have never won the World Cups. That's another mental block they have to get over, and all these players already just got over one mental block, which was none of them have won the Six Nations, which was a mad start. you got Anton Dupont and Antimax there that have now won European Cups and Six, Six Nations Grand Slam. They kind of completed it already, 22 and uh, 23 or 25, like it's mad, but here's a question for you, Zach, and you'll really enjoy this one. I know you will. Are we going back into that Shane Horgan era that it's all about triple crimes now? That it's that, uh, you know what I'm at? That kind of you just go, the triple crowns of successful Six Nations because we're, no one's getting their titles anymore. Um, I'm gonna side with Harvey. As much as like it's fun to reminisce, I think, like, I think if it's if it's Wales or England or Scotland winning the triple crown, the way that the state of their game at the moment, like it's a that's a massive win for them, um, to beat Ireland essentially. But for Ireland, you know, it'll be the same. Obviously, the summer getting the test win down under against New Zealand, and then back up for the Six Nations after the autumns. And like it has to be to win. You've got France at home as well, just huge. Um, that's going to be like looking forward a year from now. That's a huge game. France at home in the Aviva. That'll really see, you know, World Cup credentials. That'll be really on the line for both France and Ireland. But um, like, for example, hypothetically, next next year things remain the same and it's France v Ireland essentially for the for the Six Nations title for the Grand Slam. If Ireland don't win the Six Nations but win the Triple Crown, i.e. lose to France, then it is a failure, um, especially when you have them at home. Um, yeah, so you don't think the gap is anything to get worried by? You don't think this is no, in a, a generation of potentially, of, I'm saying like three or four out of the next five? I think... Yeah, like, like, don't get me wrong. Like, this France side is incredible. It's, it's, it's good to see a good French side back after like what twelve years. But at the same time, this Ireland side is like when you go back to our childhood, Shane Horgan here and Dennis Hickey and the boys. Like that Ireland side was never good enough. Like <laughs> it never was. Um, it wasn't until '09 when we won the Slam that was like the only real year that they were good enough to really win. Um. So kind of like, but now this team is good enough um, and that has to be their aim. So I think going forward, just to receive a triple crown is a failure, especially if you're saying... Yeah, that's that's not a thing with generations because I'd say the likes here, Brian O'Driscoll, Rob Carney's, I actually think those were better players than what we have now, but the coaching, the systems, the investment is so much better now in Ireland that we, we can compete, but enough about Ireland. We'll, we'll get on anyway. We'll quickly get on to England before we do our awards. I don't want to have a big. We covered England for about 90 minutes last week. So, just a quick <laughs> overview, Harvey, from your perspective, as quickly as you can. I don't want a big rant. All right. I mean, have you, are England last year really disappointed Six Nations? Kind of blamed it on COVID. We'll be back. Eddie, 
be fair to him. Brought in Sam Simmons, Don Brandt, Smith, Freddie Stewart. He um he brought in some new faces to the squad. He invested in a lot of young players. He made high Randall as nine. Do you see progress from this England side? And are you happy now going forward that they will kick on and they'll be serious competitors to you've seen what you have to get to? likes of France and all, and they have enough time. My question is, do they have enough time to get there? It's a tough one. It's, you know, you can't predict the future, can you? But I think you are right. You know, a couple, you know, by the last Six Nations, we were screaming out, Eddie, get Simmons, get Simmons in, get Dombrant in. We were at, we were dying for the change, and we wanted the refresh. We wanted the Vinopolis gone. We wanted to stop relying on Tuolangi. We wanted all these things to happen. And they kind of did happen, some by choice and some by force, the Six Nations. And he tried things. And I think the system changed as well, you know, with the, the way we, we form our attack, less reliant on the kick, still use it a lot, but less reliant. And the way we form pods in attack and in possession is also something that's changed a lot, the Six Nations, if you if you look at us game on game. And I think it started to gel as we went on. But it's one of those where, you know, results are the ultimate, you know, they're the most powerful speaker, aren't they? And to only have two wins, to lose at home to Scotland and to kind of be comprehensively beaten by Ireland and France, which are the two you got to look up to, is not what you want. Um, I thought we had, you know, to say that, I think we had a good performance against France, but I think with the the situation the game was in, the environment, the circumstance, you know, they were the most driven team. And once again, it was a similar story of they kind of just pushed on when we couldn't find the determination to push on. Um, chasing too much, which is something we've done too much, far too much of in the Six Nations. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's whether they've got enough time to answer your question is a tough one to say because these boys are very young. Some of them have very little, most of them have got single figures in terms of caps for England. And, you know, we, when you mix a new system with new players and then there's kind of uncertainties around some of the key players who with their fitness and everything else, coming back into the side there's a lot to happen and there's a lot to change in what will be what not even 18 months or so that's a hell of a lot and like you said i think it was i think you calculated it, it was 10 international games or something we've got until that period starts which is not a lot at all not a lot at all that's freddie stewart's caps so it's not a lot but once again to you know put it on the bend it on the positive side look what freddie's done in 10 caps and look at the way we're talking about him and look at you know kind of the reputation he's built and the way we kind of say he's a settled international player now, you know, he's got things to build on, but I'd say he's not, he's definitely not on the, on the circumference of that England side. He's in it. He's in the core, which is good. And I think if you want to look at it optimistically, there's a hell of a lot of work to do, but I think it can be done. I think the drive's there. I think the culture's there. I think there's some key leaders in that side that don't look like they're going to be leaving anytime soon, which is good. Um, and the squad's relatively young, you know, you've got a few aging players like laws and stuff, but relatively and if you look at the core it's a fairly young squad you know i think yeah you mentioned it there with it's... randall coming in he kind of eliminated one of the older players who we probably would have been too reliant on coming into the world cup and i think youngs will still have a part to play but i think having someone who can clearly show an impact whether it be off the bench or starting and then you bring youngs on to sure it up there's a plan there which i like you know i, I would have been more worried if we'd have gone into the six nations having played you know youngs for 85 90 of the game of every game and then sat there going right is it Rafi is it Randall who is it you know who's our nine 
Willie Hines, we bring him back. Like, what are we doing? So, you know, that's what. Well, uh, well he's way back to New Zealand now, playing for his club team. So. Dan Robson, whoever you want to pick, you know, we've but, had our uh, fair no, share of subs I, in the last few years. I, I, I agree. And I think with Eddie, as he's proven before, 18 months out from World Cup, he's usually not in the best of spots now because he's so intense. He can only really do it, kind of those few camps before World Cup. So I wouldn't really England out just yet, annoyingly, Zach, but we just, as Irish fans, got to. We'll see how it goes and hope, hope we remain on top. Um, but we'll get on quickly, get our awards done. Zach's favourite time of the year. So, uh, first of all, we'll start with try of the tournament. And some really nice tries. Uh, one of my favourites was Jack Conan's against England. If you actually watch that try back, great team try. From one end of the pitch to the other, great hands, great great playing a good line from Conan um, obviously the standout is that Italian try against Wales which personally I think is going to be hard to beat unless there's any other ones you boys want to chuck in there I'm happy to give it away to give it Leo Leo I'm actually going to pick up with you I'll be honest yeah I think, I think Italy, Italy Italian try at the end there just not the you know even like watching it in real time you were kind of like look, like there was a little part of me looking back on it being like he's going to not pass it and be shoved into touch or something, or like he'll drop it. So kind of like under pressure to get the, get the try. I think you have to, you have to go with it, Lee, surely. Yeah. I think Padovani's try with obviously the influence of Capuzzo, you have to go with yeah, like for the, not, not only the, the impact, but just the brilliance of the actual try itself, the timing, everything was just, it's a really good try. Even if he'd gone over in the corner, we probably would have been chatting about it, but the fact that it was, how emphatic it was. Yeah, it has to be Capuzzo. Uh, well, no, me, moment, <laughs> moment of the Six Nations. So, again, that same moment is, again, up for the awards. Uh, France, Dupont's kind of sealing moment. The best player in the world seals the slam for the first time in 12 years. Or Mikey Laurie's double against Italy. <laughs> surely it's Mikey um, <laughs> no um, yeah sh- surely it has to be again like that moment you know nah, it's got to be it's, you, I, I think it's yeah, I think it's, like crying on the floor like what a moment no, I'll go BC on the floor actually I'm changing that go BC on the floor it is yeah <laughs> I no, I've got an argument for Dupont though like England won within a score. We looked good. We were winning the breakdowns and stuff. And then just a really good passage of play from France. Obviously, Dupont does what he does best, gets involved in tries. Showing a stat just then, 18 tries he's been involved in in the last 15 games for France, whether it be assists or tries. Eight tries, 10 assists. So the man's everywhere. His support lines, his energy, the way he just gets the back of rucks every time before anyone else. These little one-second ruck timings they're getting and stuff is a joke. Just got to give it Dupont, man. That little... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Dupont's try. I just think... The, the players, the legacy players that you talk about in 10, 20, 30 years have moments like that. And only the greats have moments scoring tries to win slams. A lot of great players don't get their moments. Um, and he had his moment. So I think he deserves a prize for it. And I know he'll be after this. So congratulations. Is, is anyone going to pick up a Lions award? And uh, Six Nations award is very tough. You have to stay very consistent. Uh, but anyway, surprise player of the tourney. 
for me, I'm going to throw a name out here who I want to give it to is Rory Darge. Came in pretty yeah. early on and was outstanding. Really, really. I remember what, who was he against? I mean, he just nipped in, intercepted it. And I was like, you are really good at rugby, you know. There's another old back row that's really good. So, and a bit of an exciting in the previous and a bit of an exciting one, but obviously we've got we've got Caputo burst onto the scene out of nowhere. But for me, can only did that in the last two rounds. I think Lamaro has got surely you need to put his hand up if we're going to go on the full Italy hype here. You know, being captain, <laughs> looking like someone who could actually well, someone like you know, someone like Cameron Mookie as well. Someone like Cameron yeah. Mookie, not many yeah. heard about him. Broke on for France, had a break through Six Nations. What about Shirley Jamine as well, though? Cuthbert, yeah, surely. <laughs> no, he's not really breakthrough, but uh, Cuthbert, <laughs> true, Cuthbert. yeah, came out kind That's of good job, like, forgotten man. I'm, I'm but, gonna go Jamine just because, um, he was like the missing piece, and then the story yeah. of him like playing like tier three rugby or something in France like last year. Um, I'm giving it the Jamine. I think that's a good shout to be honest. I think. He was, he was, you know, not to skip ahead, but he was on an outsider for me of player of the tourney. But I think his kicking wasn't good enough to be player of the tourney, but he certainly was that little that little chink in the armour that maybe maybe France needed to alleviate. He played as if he's been in that France side for a couple of years. Yeah. You know, he didn't like he was missing yeah, once. Young, young player, young player. Let's look at these French boys who actually win young player, but... Obviously, you've got Darge again. Like a lot of the ones we talked about, there are very young, so they're they're in that conversation. Um, Marcus Smith, pretty so Stewart have... for me, man. Pretty Stewart. Yeah, pretty Stewart. To be fair, if we like, want to go like... actually young, like I know I'm saying, twenty two is not young, but it is young. But you know what I mean, twenty one year old. What's the name? I'm um, pretty Stewart to be honest, just because of. To be fair, like not to bring up Anglo France again, but. Man, some of his high techs were it's like a cheat code. And I think I think as well, a lot of young players kind of win it when they're like 22, 23, whereas he is genuinely young player. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Can we name anyone that's 21 or under that would be in the conversation? Probably not, because yeah. and everyone's kind of out at that age of really young and kind of just still young. But uh again, shout out to Rory Darge, not far away. Um and then underperformers. Which side underperformed? I feel like we get many people on the top of the podium for this one. I think it has uh, to be Wales. Wales. It has to be. England. I know. Like I know. I'm quickly getting in there, so you don't mention England, but it has to be Wales. Like they won it last year, and they nearly came last. They lost to Italy. That's like, why a bit I of perspective really when when Wales when Wales beat when Wales lost against uh, England. So I got really annoyed because I knew that win was just gonna. Just tipping the head, but yeah, Wales has to be. And then I'm players six nations. Ireland are the underperformers. Because uh, they did like triple crown. <laughs> <laughs> um and player the six nations. So we're gonna just go off the official what the official votes are. So the three players that are up for the actual official six nations player of the year is Gregory Alteridge, Antoine Dupont, and Josh Van de Flair. I've already said my piece in Josh van der Flair. I thought sometimes you have to look from an outside perspective and not the person that wins it isn't always the best player in the tournament. I think Josh van der Flair was the best player in the tournament. I do. He was outstanding every single game. I think, just to counter that before we probably get another agreement from Zach, um, 
Dupont is the classic. You stick him in there every time. I hadn't, I didn't know what those nominations lists were, and I knew we were doing this bit. And in my head, I had Aldrich the whole way because I was chatting about Aldrich when we were watching the England France game specifically. And the man, you know, we, we, you know, the thing that I think put Van der Fleer in such a high regard this Six Nations, and I saw it particularly against Italy, which fair enough, but still it's hard to do, is his ball carrying. The way he was just so dominant, uh, just make ground, he was everywhere. Aldrich does every single one of those things slightly better for me, just personally. And I think, I know the default is you pick a winner who won the slam and you make him your, your thingy, but Aldrich genuinely was insane. His ball carrying ability, the way he runs in such an awkward style, he's so low gravity, but it's so that he can just get those offloads every time. It's so awkward that you just can't trap him. You can't stop yeah, the offload. And the way he got and, the offload away from Dupont, like he yeah. had is, the, well, That's, that's that not the only moment. example. There's there would be tons. If you look through the France highlights, he'll be involved in almost all of them. He's just everywhere. And his ball carrying and the way he can set those offloads up, and that's what they build their attack off. Like he is that linchpin, I think, in that in that France side. I'm gonna go Dupont because. He is the best player in the world, and he proved it the Six Nations. I mean, he's just involved in every big game moment. It's Dupont, whether it's against England, whether it's against Wales, and just his presence on the pitch because of the form that he's in makes defences just kind of wobble at the knees in a sense because you're always having to set your pillar or your A or year one or whatever you call it. Do you, like, do you think Zaki Kudain is the greatest ever French rugby player? I mean, if he keeps going the way he's going, um, he's certainly well on his way. Like, there's no, there's no denying it. It just, for me, like, his, like, just time just slows down when he's on the ball. The ability to, like, see a half gap and take it around the ruck, even though, like, against any other side, like, you leave that gap because no other nine's going to take it. Like, no offence to Gibson Barker, Randall, or whoever. Um, he is just absolutely world-class. And, you know, to always be the pessimist, France without Dupont would be a very interesting experiment. Um, take Dupont out of that side. I think he is the linchpin. I know Nant the Mike. Yeah, I'm going to... I'll have the as well done different. I'll actually change, so I'll make the decision. I'm gonna go Gregory Altridge. I just feel Dupont, although he was class, he's been like jaw droppingly good. Whereas the Six Nations, he was just unbelievable. But like, there's been over <laughs> Six Nations and games that you've gone, this man's crazy good. So I just feel he's actually reached higher levels than he's reached, and I think Aldridge yeah. is. That that's peak him. So we'll give. Why don't we just say Dupont's already got a try as well? So already got an award for for um. Out out of respect of all of them, why don't we just say that Gregory Van der Dupont is the player of the match? Player Tony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get all three of them in there. Put that up on Twitter. Yeah, and on that one, well, we'll leave it there, boys. Back to me and Zach. Back to guests. Back to back to hearing some great stories. Do we have coming on Telf. Next week, my friend, Connor Cooch coming on. Really good insight into kind of Australian rugby and Connor. But uh, yeah, but look, looking forward to getting that out. And then the rest are some good names. We'll, we'll keep you guessing. We won't announce anything just yet. But uh, near this far, remember to like and subscribe. 
Tough Road Podcast on YouTube and Spotify at Rugby Telf and on Instagram Tough Road Podcast and we'll see you next year boys for another Six Nations Cheers boys Cheers Cheers